Today, we're going to be talking about young adult novels in their innocent form. Or is it? Welcome to Talking Stars. Uh, I'm Damien, your host today, and uh, I have uh, Audrey with me today. She is uh, has kindly come back to our show, and she's going to be talking with me about our topic today. Hello, Audrey. Hello. How are you? I am doing well. I'm, you know, sort of in that mode where, you know, I just uh, got out of puberty, and I'm starting to understand the world. Those are the films I've been watching. <laughs> You're having a coming-of-age moment. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And Edward is just on my mind all the time. That's the weirdest part. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so we actually, mysterious. Yeah, we actually won't be discussing that uh, franchise as far as I know. It may come up, though. Uh, young, adult, uh, young adult novels are wonderful. Uh, they are going way back to The Wizard of Oz. Uh, as I did a little research looking them up, The Wizard of Oz was a Frank L. Baum uh, apparently a young adult novel. I, I wasn't aware of that, but uh, it's wonderful because you see a view of life that maybe a jaded older person might not see. And it's funny because we have a lot of adults who are becoming unjaded by watching these films. I, I Speaking of my wife as one, she loved the Twilight series. Uh, she loved uh, the Hunger Games series. She really enjoys reading young adult novels. And then I have my sister-in-law, same thing. And then we have our guest to the show today, who I understand is also a big fan of young adult novels. What do you think of those young adult novels, Audrey? Yeah, I mean, I was a really big reader when I was a kid, so I was always okay. reading constantly. Um, so a lot of these books come from when I was actually a kid, like mm. at the target demographic, you might say, right. for these books. But uh, I feel like I still read some of them as an adult because I think it's just uh, it has an opportunity to tell stories about emotions and things that are that are that feel more vivid because they're being experienced for the first time by the characters. And so it when you read like adult books, it I don't know, there's there's like a lack of freshness sometimes where it's like, yeah, but we've already experienced that. So whatever. But, you know, there's a certain urgency to young adult books. And I feel like it's also a field where some of the most interesting genre work is coming out of like science fiction and supernatural books. Uh, the young adult novels are really selling that right now. So, yeah, I would say yeah. I enjoy them. <laughs> yes, I can tell you do. I can't wait to hear your take on some of these films. Um, you know, when you talk about movies that do really well in a series, you you have to think of Lord of the Rings, even though it's not young adult necessarily. Um, yeah. That movie franchise made so much money and... I think the producers really tried to, you know, sort of replay that and make more money on other films. The one that was coming to mind as you were talking was um, uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Yes. Uh, those are wonderful novels that so many young children and young adults have the opportunity to read and just eat them up. Even now, 
you know, so many years after they've been written. And the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe is the first one, I believe. I think there's one before that, but that's like the main one. It's like people... a prequel, I think, that oh, okay. comes before it. Something, the Silver Chair, is that it? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Anyway, I read those. Uh, I think one Christmas, a relative in the family just gave me, you know, they sell those really cool little sets of books. And when you're mm. in fourth grade, you're like, oh, my God, I'm never going <laughs> to leave my bed. I'm just going to read these all the time. And you don't. You get out of your bed. But, <laughs> but it, it's it's exciting to try to read them all. Uh, I am, I have to admit, and, and I, this is me getting vulnerable, I am not much of a reader. I read, you know, I have a master's degree in, in literature, so I read tons of stuff when I was in my 30s, and I just sort of, I now I read stuff like on a need-to-read basis, you know what I'm saying? And of course, mm-hmm. I, I love movies, of course, um, and some of these films, like the films that I chose, I have read one of them, the other one I have not read, uh, and there's definitely a difference uh, when you read the novel and you get into it. Now, when I saw The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe in the theaters, oh gosh, 20, 30 years after I'd read it, no, did not stand up, did not, no, I did not like it at all. It just didn't <laughs> seem to me to be the the vision that I had in my head when I read it. And it's a really good novel. It's a very famous novel. It's not like it's a bad, you know, bad story. But when I saw the third one well what i was going to say is that i had heard that they were trying to make it like the lord of the rings that's where this all comes full circle yeah and yeah and they that was not a good idea they shouldn't have done that they should have made it more like a young adult novel and i think it would have done better what do you think of that yeah no i think that makes sense i feel like they tried to really push the action adventure like element of it in yeah. a way that Maybe it's not really suited for. I didn't. I think I've read one of those books. I, I was mm. never really into those books as mm-hmm. a kid, mm-hmm. um, but I remember the movies. And I also, fun fact, did a community theater production of *Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe*. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I love how you inserted Beaver. fun fact. That is such a fun fact. Thank you so much. <laughs> no, I was Mrs. Beaver slash the fight coordinator. So a lot of fun. Um, the fight coordinator, I love it. Yeah, yeah, I planned the fights, but I um, I liked the movie. I liked the first one. I think the mm-hmm. Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the mm-hmm. movie, mm-hmm. was pretty solid. And then I think they, I didn't even, I don't think I even saw the third one. I think I only yeah. saw Prince Caspian in the first one. Um, I really like. I think the one thing that stands out for me about those books is I love the concept of these kids who have gone to this fantasy land and grown up. And then been like shot back into their like little child bodies, but they still yeah. have kind of memories of being not only adults, but like kings and queens of Narnia. And I think that that's something that's not as addressed in the books and or the movies as it should be. But I think it's such an interesting concept. Yes. Um, so I like that. But yeah, it's um, those things are hit and miss, and I don't really know too many people that really like them. However, I don't expect you to ever see it. I used to push it really hard when we talked about when we when we were on Talking Stars talking about like young adult novels or or just things related to younger viewers. I would always really push uh oh the Voyage of the Dawn Treader. That's what it's called. Um 
And that's the one. I think that's the third one you said you didn't yeah. see. Uh, yeah, I didn't see that one. It starts out. The only reason I saw it and was excited to see it is because I used to teach in Santa Ana and they had a different uh, curriculum. And the curriculum they had there had that as a story and it had all these beautiful paintings and and it would actually, I don't think it was the whole book. It was just like, you know, the first Was it chapter. in a textbook? Yep. Yeah. See, I remember that from when I was in like middle school. I think okay, we so started. Probably, I think it was yeah. called Hoot and Mifflin was the, was the uh, company that made the, the book. I loved it so much. I would always enjoy teaching that so much uh, because it was going into a picture that turned into an ocean. And then it, I always like getting kids to write about things that are otherworldly or where they get out of their situation. In other words, not writing about, write about your day at school today. No, write about your dream day at France, a French school, you know? <laughs> yeah. I always like to get the kids out of their thinking and it, you get way better results because it's more imagination. And this film or this, the story was that going into a picture. The picture actually comes into the room and they all swim to the boat, and that's where the, the film starts. But it has a lot of sword fighting by a mouse, albeit a mouse. But <laughs> <laughs> it's got some really cool sword fighting. And it reminded me a little bit of, like, Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, I don't even know if that had come out yet when this was out. but uh, So I don't think they were necessarily copying it. But, you know, pirate movies have been out forever. Uh, so there's a lot of pirate type stuff going on that I really liked. And that to me, that movie was satisfying. When I left that film, I was like, that's awesome. They did that story well. Uh, but other than that, I'm, I don't really like any of any of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to give that one a try because I, I like Will Poulter. And he's, yes, he's, he's the, the kid. He's the annoying cousin, right? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Is it Edwin? Yeah, yeah Edwin. Yeah, I think he's so. horrible, Edwin. <laughs> you like him, yeah. huh? Uh, yeah, Will Poulter, I think, is really, really good. Um, Have you seen him in Detroit? I haven't watched that yet, but I, mm. I've been meaning to because I think I've been seeing a lot of ads for it because it's on one of the streaming services that I pay for. Yeah, it, it took me a long time to get around to it. I had heard that it was just amazing. And Catherine Bigelow directed it, who I've admired for a long time as a director. Um, I just, it looked really heavy, and I'm like, oh, I don't need a heavy movie today. Oh, I don't need a heavy movie today. And finally I watched it, and it was definitely heavy, but I am so glad I watched it. So when you get around to it, especially because you like Will, um, you may not by the, the end of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever, have you ever seen Son of Rambo? Because that's what I, I yes. first saw him in. I So good. <laughs> that is so good. I think that's on Amazon Prime right now. If anybody's interested. oh, is it? Yeah, it's streaming right now on that. It might that's even be movie. yeah, it might even be on um, Netflix. Who knows? Everything's on Netflix these days. But yeah, that was great film. And I didn't expect it to be that great. I, I kept seeing it go by on my suggested films on Internet Movie Database, and it and I thought that's got to be a foreign film because I haven't heard of that. It's probably subtitles, and I don't have time for subtitles. But when I finally <laughs> watched it, no subtitles, and it is great. It is just really humorous and yet has that young adult aspect as well so yeah yeah it's it's a good movie <laughs> i highly recommend it to anybody yes. listening <laughs> now uh audrey why don't we go into a preview of wrinkle in time now <clears throat> at this point it's been out in america i'm pretty sure did did, did your friends over at the lamb now i know you were on a podcast over there uh did they mention that it was out in the uk 
Uh, yes, it is because all of them had seen it already. Okay, so. there you go. Um, yeah, mostly UK guys over there. Um, so I think what we'll do is we'll just uh, nobody is going to be reviewing this on a talking star so i'm going to change the topic from preview to review <laughs> we're just going to go ahead and review this film and uh you know i would say at this point it's okay to give spoilers because most people have seen it uh, also the book's been out for you know 50 that, years so you got that right <laughs> so let's go ahead and, and and consider spoilers okay so if you're like dying to see wrinkle in time and you are offended by spoilers you don't want anything spoiled probably be good to fast forward through our talking about it uh but if you don't mind i usually don't mind i listen to spoilers before i see a movie um and if you've already seen it boy we welcome you so listen so here we go uh review of wrinkle in time this is a film that was a beloved young adult novel and that's why our topic today is voila young adult novels uh it was a novel that i read in fourth grade i'll never forget the what the book looked like uh it was a chapter book the the leaves were all kind of beaten up because i think i got it or my parents got it for me at a secondhand store but they really heard it was good so they gave it to me and at that time i was an avid reader i've kind of become lazy in that but uh movie please <laughs> i'll take a movie <laughs> but i did read this one and you know it was so long ago uh that I had to kind of brush up a little bit. So I have my daughter, who is going to be turning 11 in May, and she ate it up and loved it. So she kind of gave me a sort of a review of it. And when she started saying Mrs. What's-It and some of these other things and the father that was gone, boom, it all came back. So I was like, okay, yeah, now I know what that book is. Okay. And then I took both the girls and we went and saw it. So it was kind of neat. My, my other daughter is... Uh, going to be a freshman in high school she's uh, finishing her eighth grade year so she's right there in the young adult category and yeah she really likes the giver that's why I, when i was emailing you earlier i thought i might take the giver but i haven't seen it so i was gonna sit down with her and watch it she didn't want to watch it so that didn't pan out but she loves the giver uh, i love the giver too okay. i mean the book um the movie's fine but the book especially well she got to see the movie in class i had to sign up papers and then oh, she, okay. she saw it in her class so like you know how it is when you see a movie in class it's yeah like, you always like the it thing could suck i mean it could be scooby-doo you'd be going oh wow this is art you know <laughs> so anyhow that's great i'll tell her you liked it too that's awesome she, i mean she really likes it um yeah so they told me about the this movie and then i went and saw it and i have to say that uh visually i thought it was really cool if I would have known that it was just kind of a visual film that would appeal to me on that level, I think I would have uh, not waited until after the movie to go out to dinner. <laughs> if I would have had a nice Italian meatball dinner and just sat down and just kind of went, wow. Because, I mean, I think you'll agree, Audrey, that visuals are just amazing. They're staggering. Yeah, they're there's a lot of visuals in this movie. Um, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it just... A lot I mean, of fantasy worlds, swirling different on different planets. Yeah, and, and, you know, I heard that uh, one reviewer said that he went to see it in 3D, and some of the little you know, younger kids, younger viewers, like my daughter's age, were, like, reaching out to grab the 3D things, you know? 
<laughs> so you don't usually see that. So yeah. people were mesmerized by it. I think uh, you have to. This is this is what I the conclusion I came to because I really didn't like it. I mean, when I was done, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Actually, I started doing that about two thirds of the way through. Like, this is not. I think it was about the point where uh, Oprah's character and the other. Uh, I forget her name, but Reese, Reese Witherspoon, and I forget her. That's Miss Witch something, right? Uh, something, I forget. Uh, I can't is. remember which yeah, one's it's, Witch. Yeah, it's something Witch, and I thought she was a witch, but my daughter said, no, <laughs> it's like like every which way, Dad. I, oh, that kind of witch. Oh, I see. So uh, when they left because they were starting to get weak is kind of where I just went, what's going on? I didn't really, it, I didn't follow from that point. Um but it's really neat. It's almost like a dream. The movie watches like a, you know you're having a dream, and there's this one part where speaking of visuals, where like there's all these circular lines going around them, and they're sort of stuck in there, and they're trying to find uh, Chris. Is it Pratt or Pine? I'm gonna be in trouble. Chris Pine. Yeah, Thank Chris you Pine. So much. <laughs> I'm embarrassed that way. Yeah. So he's her dad, and they're trying to find him, and. And somehow they do something wrong and somebody's mad at them or something up there and it just, boom, they just fall. Oh, it's their, it's the little brother. That's right. The little brother is, is angry and he starts doing all these spells and they fall. And it's really scary because it's really well done because you have like these concentric lines, these circles, and they're, you can't really tell that the bottom falls out, but it sort of does and then they fall down. You wouldn't think with modern CGI that that would looked that amazing but it really it kind of got me i thought that's pretty cool but other than that the story was kind of predictable for me at that point um again young adult so to kind of just like wrap up my thoughts on it i did enjoy it to the effect of the uh special effects and i think if you're gonna see it you'll have a better time if you go in with the mind of a young adult or you bring a young adult because my girls loved it. They talked about it the whole way home. I'm going, okay. You know, so I, I kind of bought into some of the stuff they were saying. And when I reviewed it, I actually reviewed it much higher than I thought I would because I got to listen to the young adults that were in the car. So that's kind of my view on it. You just kind of got to look at it through that age. How did you like it, Audrey? Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I think at the end of the day, like this movie was not made for me. It was not made for you. It was made for mm. kids. Mm -hmm. um, and... I it's interesting, though, because I have sort of the opposite reaction about the parts that I think hold up, because okay. I feel like the part of the movie that I enjoyed the most was um, like Meg's story of, you know, just being like so defeated and and ups, like angry at the world about her father not being there and then um, watching her like come to terms with everything that's happened and then sort of realize that. I don't know that a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's really interesting with Chris Pine's character where he sort of makes a bad decision and, and spoilers like makes a decision to yeah. leave Charles Wallace behind. And she, so it's like this whole time you've been like, well, once my dad's back, everything will be okay. And it's like sort of part of growing up is realizing, okay, maybe that's not always true. Like her dad made a bad decision and she has to come to terms with her very complicated feelings about him yeah. and feelings of abandonment, but also love and, this is a bad decision. Why did you do this? How could you abandon your son again? A lot of stuff like that. 
Um, so I feel like her arc is, is interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like it gets a little overloaded with all of the other things that are happening. I think it's sort of weighed down by all of the different planets that it has to go to and all of the different visuals that it needs to include. And it, at a certain point it feels like it's hopping from planet, cool planet to cool planet to cool planet. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I think a part of that is like, I read this book when I was probably about the same age that you were when you read mm-hmm. it. And I love the book, but I think it's sort of a book that doesn't lend itself to being made into a movie very easily mm-hmm. because it has a lot of abstract concepts that just, they work well written on the page, but maybe they're confusing on screen or they, you know, you have to change things too much to make it it work on screen. And I also think a big part of the book is that Charles Wallace is such an important character, but it's like, how do you actually get this six year old actor to do this on screen and be compelling and not be irritating? Yeah. I, I think it's, it's almost, it's very difficult. And in the book, at least I remember when the, it takes, takes Charles Wallace over, it's more of a unsettling, quietude of like emotionless that they go with him where it's not him screaming at people. It's him just being like very still and eerily calm. Mm. And so it feels more threatening, I think than just him, than just hearing a six year old scream. Like we've all heard six year old screams. It's, it's, um, (laughs) so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like if I was, you know, 11, ish i think i would have really enjoyed it i think i would have loved it you know yeah it's it's a great empowering story about this female hero and um i think it's like it's so amazing that they decided to make the family like a mixed race family and adding an element to charles wallace being adopted um it just it deals with a different sort of family um but it's still like a very strong family and i yeah, I think I think if I was 11 and watching this as an 11-year-old girl, I would have been very, yeah, very yeah. compelled by that. Yeah, because, you know, little, I keep wanting to say little kids. This is young adults. So young adults, <laughs> they don't get to leave the house. They, I mean, until they're 15 or 16, then they might have a car if they're lucky. But, you know, people her age, uh, Meg's age, they just, they're home. You know, that's it. And so the opportunity for Miss What's-It to come over the, you know, shrubbery there and say, I need to take you with me because I know where your dad is and or we need to find your dad. And I mean, like you just said, that's huge, you know, to a young adult because they don't have that person coming over the hedge. They're stuck behind the hedge. Yeah. And uh, I think it gives them a chance to sort of have control i think he was scary that six-year-old got really scary but i'm with you it it was hard to sort of process you know how he could have a good side and an evil side and make bad decisions when he's only six years old uh i think that the dad chris pine to get back to him not chris pratt chris pine (laughs) uh i think he you know just really effed up i mean he he made like the worst decision to put his and correct me if i'm wrong because you've read the book but from what i gathered from the movie he 
like put this desire i think he called it shake hands with the universe he wanted to shake hands with the universe he put that above his wife he put that above his daughter uh and was the was the brother adopted cuz i didn't even get that he was adopted that went by me it, was he adopted before he left yeah because there's the scene where the mother is like holding baby Charles Wallace. He's like probably six months old, maybe a year. And she's like singing a lullaby to him. And um, Chris Pine is in his workshop and he's looking at the window and he sees his wife and he's looking at his machine, which is making all these cool lights and stuff. And he's like making a decision. I um, remember that. So. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I just didn't get that he was adopted. That's probably, who knows why. I've seen uh, well, I think, I think the thing where he, where Chris Pine is having the conversation at the beginning of the film with little Meg talking about like, are you ready to meet your brother? And it's, it's sort of the vibe is, is like, are we going to be, is, are we going to love each other as much as normal brothers and sisters do? Uh, and that's what made me think maybe he's not adopted. I, I just assumed because of that conversation. Well, it couldn't made it really so explain weird. his nationality. Cause I think he is Hispanic. Yeah. I think he's adopted. Must um, be adopted. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, I learned something new about the movie. I love it. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's one of those films. It's just, I don't think that there are young adult, uh, adult films that are like this. I think this is meant to be aimed really at young adults. I think with, you know, Twilight and some of the other ones, Hunger Games, that's a real Hunger Games, you know, we'll talk about it in a minute, but that's really violent, you know, and yeah. this is not really violent. It's scary. There's a couple scary scenes. Uh, like when Michael Pena lifts up his glasses and his eyes are greenish yellow, you know that. Whoa, that that'll get a kid. But and uh, with the the bouncing the balls, the kids bouncing the balls in unison. That was creepy. very unsettling. <laughs> nightmare stuff. Nightmare stuff. And but in anyway. the book, I think one of the kids like messes up and like drops the ball or something and gets like taken away. It's oh. it's very scary in the book. The book is pretty creepy <laughs> yeah and they always are better the book is always better but remember when the mom comes out and she says she's like the 1950s perfect mom and she says you kids must be hungry would you like to come in for some cake or something and and they're like no thank you and then she her whole face just changes yeah she, they don't put any cgi on her but she just her demeanor changes and she says okay you know it goes back in the house all offended that was kind of scary too you know but, yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so I guess for wrinkling time, you're going to be surprised, but I actually gave it a seven out of ten for what it is. What? How would okay. you rate the movie? Um. Yeah, you know, I would probably something close to that, maybe like six point five. Like it passes, okay. but barely. Um. Yeah. It. I think it's more like with a lot of um, Ava Dun. DuVernay's work I think the biggest thing about it is like the themes and mm -hmm. the like the intention of the piece that is the strongest and I think yeah. that that's definitely the case here and I feel like what they were trying to do is commendable but I think there are elements of the story that through no fault of anyone really I think it's just too hard to make an amazing movie out of yeah, it's always an interpretation, isn't it? I mean, the director, the writers, the screenwriters especially, they have to interpret a story and what's most important in that story. You know, look at Romeo and Juliet. Look at how many different ways that has been portrayed on screen uh, because each director sees something more important, you know, that they want to draw out. And you really see that a lot in theater too. I haven't seen tons of theater, but 
I've I've seen you know enough and and I in like sometimes you'll go into like we my wife and I went to see Pirates of the Penzance we were so excited because we just happened to be out in Pasadena and we saw it was playing at this local playhouse oh my gosh Pirates of Penzance that'd be great so we go in and it's like it's people in sneakers reading scripts and it's supposed to be like that they're doing it like in this weird way and then they start you know you mentioned bouncing the balls. They were started throwing beach balls at us. That was, <laughs> I mean, it was kind of cool, but we weren't really into it, so we actually left early. But the point is, you can interpret a story so many different, like weird ways or cool ways, or you can have a lot of CGI or go to a lot of different planets. But it'd be interesting, you know, down the road in the future, if people interpret this novel differently, like maybe even in a weird way, like Pirates of Penzance was. Just, you know, what what was really going on? in Meg and you know what battles was she fighting in her mind as opposed to just gallivanting on planet to planet you know what I'm saying yeah so who knows maybe somebody will do that (laughs) uh all right well let's move on through these uh other young adult novels the first one I'm going to have you take and that's Harry Potter Harry Potter. Yes, I'm familiar with Harry Potter. Um, no, yeah. Have you um, done this one on your... Are you still doing your podcast? I am still doing my podcast. M, we, M for McPhail, right? Yeah, rated M for McPhail. We right. haven't... We are planning on doing the Harry Potter film series. Okay. We have not done it yet because it's okay. a bit of a commitment, I would yeah. say. Um, yeah, so I You guys I was... cracked me up. I, I, I mean, I just like... If I can't sleep or something, I just, that doesn't mean you put me to sleep. It just means I'll just put on Emperor McPhail and you guys start laughing and talking. It's just, it's hilarious. I could never approach the the level of, of humor that you guys put out. So that, I just wanted to say, I didn't say it at the beginning. Uh, I didn't even introduce you, come to think of it. But um, yeah, Audrey is, has rated Emperor McPhail. It's like her podcast. She's a, been a long, a long time friend of the show. Uh, see, I'm too comfortable with you, so that I don't announce all your stuff. And then, you, are you still doing the blog? Yeah, I still have the blog, 1001moviesandbeyond.com. Okay. So, great. Going okay. through those classics. No, I just had to say it. Now, go ahead with what you were going to say. Um, I think I was just going to say that I really like Harry Potter. Um, oh, that's right. I, I, the books came out. I was probably let's say 11, I was sixth grade maybe. And I got them for Christmas one year from my grandfather. I got the first three books because the rest hadn't come out yet. Like children listening to this podcast, there was a time when you didn't know what was going to happen to Harry Potter. Um, the books hadn't come out yet. So I was very into them. Um, I remember sitting on my bed, reading them and like having in sync playing in the background just to paint a picture. Um, so I, I love Harry Potter. I think it's, um, just a really great story with a lot of different levels. I feel like it doesn't talk down to its audience, even though it's, it's written for kids and about kids, it treats them like people. Hmm. And I feel like that's important. And, um, it's, I think it does a really, really good job of world building and creating this entire universe that you can get sucked into. Um, not literally, cause that would be terrifying, but, yeah. um, and the characters are great. Like you find characters that you identify with immediately and that you, yeah, that you, you grow to love and, and hate in some cases. So I feel like those are all good. And for the movies, I'm still shocked and amazed by the fact this doesn't get as much attention as it should, but that they hired kids who were 10 years old 
And they were like, this is what you're going to be doing until you're 20. Have fun. And like all of the kids stuck with it. All of them like grew into their roles. They all did a pretty decent job. Like it's insane over the course of eight movies that they were able to pull that off. Um, it's incredible. It will none never be accomplished. Drug addicts. <laughs> what? I said none became drug addicts. Well, uh, oh, there some was, did? I didn't know. Um, some of the minor kids, oh, I think. Um, no, yeah, the minor no, there, ones, but the core characters. No. Yeah, no, they they've all grown up to be fairly um, fairly level headed, you know, people. I think. Um, I think there was one of the Slytherin kids who ended up getting replaced in like maybe the third or fourth movie because of like external issues, mm-hmm. but um, for the most part, yeah, they all they were all in all the movies and. That's pretty impressive. I could see you and your cousin from uh, Rated M for McPhail going to Florida where they just opened the uh, Harry Potter. I guess it's a ride. I think it's a whole. Oh, yeah. Section. I've been there. Okay. <laughs> the so were you, were you walking around going, no, you children don't get it. Uh, no, I was just in, I was in, in all, I was like, this is where I live now. This is my home. Um, it was amazing. I, I got a wand. I went on some rides. I got some butterbeer. I was a happy camper. That is amazing. (laughs) That was, that was like five years ago, I think probably. That is so great. So what would you say the root, your root into, well, actually, let me just ask you this question instead. I could ask you so much, but I know our time is limited. I just want to say. This is something I heard on a few podcasts as I was researching this show. The Goblet of Fire. I'm going to leave it right there. The Goblet of Fire. The Goblet um, of Fire. <laughs> I'll tell you this, more later. <laughs> is this a response to um, Dumbledore in Goblet of Fire? Because that's what I feel like people always say when they're I talking heard, about that I heard movie. that everybody says it's the best one. That, that Interesting. That. Book or movie? Movie. Uh, I don't think that's accurate. Oh, okay. Well, what's your best one? <laughs> um, I really like Prisoner of Azkaban, I feel like, because Alfonso cool Cuarón directed it, so it's got, like, an artsy uh, vibe to it with the cinematography, I think is really, really nice and interesting. And it sort of takes it takes a step away from the first two, which are Chris Columbus, and, like, they're firmly in the children's movie category. And this is started, sort of starting to see them grow up a little bit, and it... It shows more of... I agree. And you know what surprised me the most about that movie, and I even watched it again recently, is that Gary Oldman is not a bad guy. Or do you think he is? The character? He is the prisoner. I don't think the character is, is he? No, no, he's a total guy. But when you look at all the merchandising they did and everything you know he was, he was always screaming behind bars and yeah I thought, it's, it's, and it's, it's a, called the prisoner of Azkaban so I thought oh my gosh this guy's gonna kill everybody that's the twist yeah <laughs> you gotta wait until they get into the shrieking shack and then everybody yells at everybody else for about 10 minutes and the plot's resolved that's something I don't like about prisoner of Azkaban is that scene um oh. it's fine I I feel like oh. it gets a little screamy and everybody just yells and there's not a lot of levels but that's okay. Like, it's fine. I let things go. It's fine. I, it's not like it still bothers me. It came out, you know, 10 years ago, whatever. I was in high school. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Winston Churchill. I mean, Gary Oldman went on to be Winston Churchill, too, so Ugh. that's a treasure. <laughs> I couldn't get through that movie either, but I, I think it's a UK it. thing. I, I'm like, I, normally, I'm a sucker for World War II movies, um, especially about Dunkirk. Come on, but... Oh, um, yeah. 
I I felt like it was just a I liked John Lithgow's version of of Winston Churchill better, and I just felt like it was like okay, he's just he's got a lot of makeup on. He looks like Winston Churchill. That's yeah, that's it. You get over that pretty quick. It's kind yeah. of interesting and wow for a little while. Uh, okay, well, great. I mean, uh, so you'd say your favorite Harry Potter is The Prisoner of Azkaban, and you're not alone. I know a lot of people are like that. Yeah, I can't I think, really make a decision because there's just so many, and I'm not a big student of them. I think it's either Prisoner of Azkaban or, like, possibly Deathly Hallows Part 1. That one's really good, too. The later ones I haven't seen as many times, and so they're they're a little bit more novel for me still. Yeah. Um, they're all good. They're all really good movies. They're all really good books. They're all they did a great job with that franchise, except for Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. I don't. There's a lot to say. I don't know if we have time, but it's. <laughs> you know, that's later. Was there even a book out of that? Yeah. Well, there was like a, a tiny little slim, probably 50 page book that she wrote for charity way back in the day, like. I don't know. Yeah. A while ago, and it was it was just like a book about like different mythical creatures that would tell you like where they're found and what their attributes are. It didn't. It, there was no like novel story about like um, Newt's commander and like his journey to collect all these beings and his yeah. um his interactions with Johnny Depp slash Colin Farrell, which are stupid. I but was not impressed by that at the end at all. I was. In, I would go so far as to say infuriated is what I was. Um, I was really mad for a lot of reasons. Um, most of them that it did, I just am not impressed by Johnny Depp anymore, and I don't need to see him in movies ever again. But that's, that's I, he's, he's kind of held back for a while, hasn't he? I think that might have been his last one I heard about. Uh, he's... Went through, kind of kind of, he went through his divorce, so he's probably kind of getting his equilibrium, and I'm sure he'll be back. Well, him uh, and just all of his Tim Burton movies, where he and Tim Burton seemingly made a pact to just yeah. hold each other's careers back for 25 <laughs> years and just make the exact same movie over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. I have well, strong opinions about Johnny Depp and Tim Burton. You're so right. I've noticed in, in like, you know, doing podcasts with you for a little while, I've, I've sort of noticed that you, there's certain people you're very opinionated about, and I think that's great. I love that. <laughs> we won't talk about Trump. Yeah, well. Let's <laughs> not go with dark place. <laughs> you know, I, the other day, I read something online and it just was so believable and but i've heard it before so i you know i'm not a trump fan myself but it, it just said that for sure with what's happening to him now with all these allegations and stuff not even allegations anymore now judges are stepping in and saying you can't suppress this you can't suppress that and you know that he's really going to be impeached what do you think i mean when it happens like i'll, I'll be happy but i'm not going to like yeah. pin all my hopes to impeachment because I exactly. just don't think anyone has the courage right now to, <clears throat> You're probably right. to put that through. I mean, if we take back, if the Democrats take back the House, um, there's a better chance, but I just think it's it's really hard to impeach somebody because Is they, it? Yeah, like you have to have, I, I don't know exactly how many, but it's it's like a huge percentage of Congress has to like hmm. agree to it. You can't get by with just partisan the democrats yeah. couldn't decide to do it they would have to have a lot of republicans also be on board with it which seems unlikely so 
I think we just need to ask the young adults. Hey, what do you guys want to do? Yeah. I saw a sign from the protest yesterday that it was like, uh, it was it was probably a teenager holding up a sign saying, um, we were raised on Harry Potter, Star Wars, and the Hunger Games. Like, yeah, we're going to fight back. Like, that's what you taught us to do with all of these books. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That is hilarious. Um, yeah. So, anyway, I, I'm so sorry for bringing that up. But you, you <laughs> cracked me up. I Once in a while, one of your uh, tweets comes through. Not so much lately, but I, I'd say a few months ago. And me, too. I was like, you hate this guy. But you know what? Yeah, yeah he's up there. It's like you said. I like what you said because you said, you know, if people do it, you know, I'd be happy. But it's kind of, you know, let's get on with our lives and see what we can do on yeah. a small scale. And nothing young adults need to worry about. That's for sure. They're they're <laughs> reading all these novels. Um, I wanted to talk about The Bridge to Terabithia because this is a, a book that I ha- I read and then I taught it. A lot. So I've gone through it and through it and through it. And then as one of the perks of finishing the book, you know, we would watch it in class. Mm. Um, and uh, you just, these kids, I mean, you, if you show them a science video, they like it. I mean, they, they like it pretty good. But you still got the little pockets of kids talking to each other and they're not in shit. You put on the bridge to Terabithia, they're just like locked. They're locked on it. It just, <laughs> it just draws them in so much. And to compare it to the book, I'd say the book, as usual, is a lot more descriptive and gets more into the faith aspect. Have you read this book or seen the movie? Uh, yes, I I think I've completed. It's going both. a ways back. Yeah, it's I think I've I've definitely read the book. I think I've seen part of the movie. Well, Anna Sophia Robb is kind of a spiritual little girl, and she is sort of telling. Uh, the uh the character who incidentally is from Hunger Games. Yeah, it's Josh Hutcherson, right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. And she's always putting little stuff in his head like uh you know, well, you know, if like people who don't believe aren't at church and they're in hell, then I kind of like some of the people that aren't in church. <laughs> things like that, you know. She's just like putting little things in his head and he's he's going. But they're not they're not negative and they're not anti-church. They're just Trying to get him to sort of see things a different way. And yeah. in the book, there's a lot of them. In the movie, there's only a few. It doesn't really focus so much on the faith aspect. Uh, but it's just about... What it's really about is encouraging your friends to to raise you know, up to what they really dream of doing. And encourage your friends to do that. And then, of course, you know, I don't even... I I have no problem spoiling you know wrinkling time but he just spoiled this one uh, but uh, yeah so he learns the hard way about a lot of stuff but he, at least he has those little nuggets of knowledge that she's given him she's kind of like a bohemian she's like a hippie sort of yeah and and he gathers these thoughts that are outside of what he's learned in his church which is fine his church is not a like it's not like a, a you know, some churches we see in movies are like really unbalanced. It's not like that. It's like it's just a little place he goes, you know, has his family once a week. And um, but in her, he sees like a different kind of spirituality, I guess, outside of that. And um, that is inclusive of that, but at the same time, thinks for itself. So I think that's interesting. And um, it has. I'm really bad now, but it has the in Terminator Two, the cop. What's that guy's name? 
the cop terminator yeah he's his dad yeah i should have looked it up he plays his dad which is kind of neat to see him later on in years aged a little bit he does a good job and his dad's really rough on him but i think in the end when he goes through some really tough times he realizes that the strength of his dad is actually a positive thing um and just it's robert patrick by the way thank you robert patrick such a strong name i forgot um but yeah, so do you have any recollection before we move on of this film? Well, I'm not uh, in a hurry, by the way. I just don't want to rush you. Yeah, no, I do. Um, but I think the biggest thing that I remember about it is uh, the spoiler that we're trying to dance around. Um, I feel like yeah. people emotionally respond to the book and the movie because everybody can relate to the first memory of a certain tragic event that happens in your life the first time. Mm-hmm. That happens to you. The first experience you have, um, it's 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 and a how trauma. About before that, when Zoe Deschanel, as his music teacher, decides she's just going to grab him up, which by the way breaks every teacher code there is, and say, "Hey, I'm taking you to the city. We're going to the art museum," uh, and and you know that's when it happens. Um, and uh, the guilt. There would be a lot of guilt there, you know. So. Yeah. Anyhow. Um it's a it's a tearjerker. I feel like a lot yeah. of people cry. Um yep. Yeah, I mean I this wasn't a book that I read as a child. Mm-hmm. And the movie I think I saw after Hunger Games came out because I was like, "Ha, Josh Hutcherson's in it. I'm going to watch this." <laughs> and um I was like, "Oh, this little guy." Yeah, um, I was going to say even though you found out he's like 5'5 five, five or 5'4. Five, <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. He's. I mean, I don't know how tall he is. He's probably. I'm only five eight, so he's probably five eight. But he just looks short. He's a little guy. Um, yeah. Ooh. No, I. I just wanted to watch it. Um, yeah. But it wasn't something that I experienced as a kid, so I feel like that emotional impact didn't hit me as hard as it would if you read it when you were a kid or saw the movie when you were a kid. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, it's. Yeah, uh, and you know what? That does happen in young adult novels, doesn't it? Sometimes you go. This is sort of plain, you know. This is not quite the illustrious way that I would look at these different things, um, but uh, that can also be refreshing, you know, to see things in a simple way. Uh, but that's, that's just one I recommend people see. That's why I didn't really give the spoiler because on a rainy afternoon, that one's a winner. Uh, it is a young adult, so don't expect. Uh, you know, don't expect uh, Lord of the Rings or anything like that, but it's uh, it, it has an interesting. Basically, what happens is they go to this diff- this place, they go over a bridge, and they kind of make believe this land of Terabithia, and there are minimal CGI, but it's just enough to make you remember when you were a kid and you used to make stuff up. You know. You know, I think something about the movie that I'm remembering now is that I feel like when the movie came out, it was very badly mismarketed, in yeah. a way that made it seem like it was. It was like a Chronicles of Narnia where these kids mm-hmm. are actually going into a magical world. Um, whereas the point of the story is like your imagination and like creating this space that's just for you and your friends. And that's right. That part of childhood. But I feel like the, the trailers and everything related to the promotion of the movie made it seem like they actually went to like another realm or something. So, yeah. And again, it gets back to that marketing thing. They really want to sell. Uh, I think this was a Disney, actually. I'm pretty sure it was. And uh, 
you know, in, in the very last scenes, you see all the creatures that have been mentioned. And there's a giant and there's other things that I don't mind spoiling because they're just so great looking. Uh, it's just great the second, third, fourth time you see them. Uh, and they're all coming out at the end, like, to celebrate the queen and the king of uh, Terabithia. But I think that they portrayed it showing the giant, showing these things, maybe even showing that last scene in the trailer to let people know, hey, if you come, you're going to see this wonderful Narnia type, you know, Lord of the Rings type movie. And it just, it's more of a human emotion, boundaries, uh, you know, like that. It's kind of yeah. like a movie. So, yeah, very good. Okay, you're on for uh, a big one, The Hunger Games. The Hunger Games, yes. <laughs> these these came out, obviously, after my my childhood, teenage yes. years. Um, so I read them when I was in my early 20s. Um, really enjoyed them. I felt like they were a good, good old-fashioned dystopian story. Um, good female lead who's sort of flawed in her own ways, which is nice to see. Um I, I feel like the fact that Suzanne Collins, or sorry, Suzanne Collins, it's is that her name? Am I like blanking on this right I now? I can't see it. My my wife would know because she was like, Suzanne you, she voraciously Collins. read them all. I think it's Suzanne Collins. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's it it's Suzanne Collins. I just looked okay. it up. Um, okay. I feel like uh, she has a history as like writing either war journalism or just like war fiction. I can't remember which, but I feel like that's a different approach to young adult novels that isn't. Um, that, that you don't get that perspective. And I feel like you see that in the Hunger Games. Like, this is what war is like. People die. Bad things happen. Like, um, so I feel like that adds a element of reality to it in a way that makes it more emotionally resonant. And I feel like the movies all did a pretty good job of, of staying true to the books. The casting, I thought, was pretty good. Um they got me in all those like moments where they would like do the three fingered salute into the air and there would be that music playing in the background. Mm. And then, you know, later in the series when they're actually starting to like revolt all of the rebellion sequences, like I'm a sucker for a good old fashioned rebellion. So mm -hmm. I, I feel like books that teach kids to aspire to like right the wrongs in their world, like that can never be a bad thing. And I think especially later in the books where things get more complicated and like the heroes and villains are not as cut and dry and there's politics introduced into it where there's, I can't remember her name, but like Julianne Moore's character who's like, oh, is yeah. she a good guy? Kind of, but not really. Um, on the government side, I think. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of she's like, she's working for the rebellion. So like you'd think they would be on the same side, but she also has a very different, she has very different priorities than what mm. Katniss and like the other soldiers on the ground would have. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I think it's nuanced. Um, and you know, like Katniss and team PETA, team Gale, who knows? Um, mm. How, what drew you to, and I'm, and I'm going to even qualify this because I read most of the first one and I saw the first movie and so I have like uh somewhat of a satisfaction with that first movie but after that I kind of don't and um I was just wondering like since you read them all voraciously and then you enjoyed them all pretty much you're saying um what what was the appeal any different after the first one 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Um, for me, I think I the first one I thought was really, really good. The second one I was into. And then I think the third and fourth ones were I, I was a little less into it, a little less excited about it because I didn't enjoy that book as much. Mm. Um, the book is crazy depressing. It like rips your heart out. Um, yeah, the third what, book. Yeah, my wife would tell me she, in fact, a couple times I saw her just throw the book down and she's an incredible reader. She can like, she can take care of a book in a couple days. I mean, yeah. it's, it's not even right. <laughs> I don't know if you're like that too, but uh, I just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I read the last Harry Potter book, I was working at the mall and I went to Barnes and Noble. I left my shift at the mall at 11 o'clock went to the the midnight release of the last book. So I get home at like 12:30 at night and I'm like I need to read this book before I go to work tomorrow. So I stayed up all night, finished it at like 5 o'clock in the morning, slept oh. for like 4 hours yeah. and then you're went to work. You're definitely birds of a feather. Uh but she said um you know, I don't remember if it was the second one necessarily, but it was starting and then the third one, she was really getting frustrated and putting it down a lot and i was like what's wrong you don't like the book and she's like it's just all this government stuff i wanted it to be about the cutesy romance you know uh so i guess it turned into more of a and it did because i've seen the movies so i know yeah it becomes very dark and very uh oriented toward what you were saying the positive was let's encourage people to stand up and uprise against a, a corrupt government which is a good thing but at the same time after and you haven't said anything about Twilight. Do you like Twilight? <laughs> oh, no. Okay, okay um, gotcha. I read. But, I, you, read but I know you like rom coms because we did a show on it over a year ago. You you did like rom coms. Yeah. Uh, so you know she's kind of like that. She likes the rom coms. She likes the stories where above all odds the the couple makes it and gets together. And I don't think that this is that kind of a series, is it? Well, it it has the romantic elements of it, but I think they're the weakest parts of the book. Oh, okay. um, I don't think they're I don't think they're super compelling. I mean, I like the like Katniss Pita relationship. I think it makes yeah. sense. But I think when you try to force a love triangle into a situation where you're just trying to do it to do it so that you can have like Team Pita versus Team Gale, um, <laughs> it's it. I don't know. Um, you read it for a different. There was like a different I was, uh, draw to you. Yeah, I was all up in the dystopian stuff. I was like, this uh, is what I'm here for. Um, I don't care about who Katniss is like struggling to decide who to kiss. Like that doesn't matter to me. And I think so. that that's key to really enjoying these novels because, uh, uh, you know, they were so popular that I think a lot of people thought, well, this is going to be like a more of a romantic type thing, but it's actually more dystopian. It's more, um, it, it's almost in a way it's kind of, I mean, I, do you think that it's, uh, defeatist or because they don't really win very much well they do they well, but, i mean it's only people die you know yeah but in the hunger games that's 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 war that's war uh, okay. <laughs> no but See, I, I just think you're coming at it at a great angle it's just uh it's not the angle that you know my wife dark, came out of it yeah it's a dark book book series they lose a lot of friends loved ones along the way um, but in the end, there's a brighter, brighter future for Pan Am, maybe. Um, okay. So. And you well, like the like, last two that they cut into two parts? The Mockingjay, I think it was called. Mockingjay, yeah. Um, I, you I felt think that gave a good ending? 
Yeah, yeah. I think it's the weakest book, so I think it, it was always going to kind of struggle to, like, tie up all the loose ends. I think it does a f- decent job. Um, I just, I hate the um, the trend of splitting books into two parts just to make more money. I know why they do it, but I hate it. Mm-hmm. A lot of books yeah. don't have a oh, natural, yeah. I hate that too. like, split point where you're just like, yeah, this is where we're going to end this one, even though it's not a logical closure point. Um, yeah. So I hate that. <laughs> that me drives too. me crazy, and I blame... Harry Potter for launching that trend on the world. <laughs> my cat is attacking my headphones. Come on. Oh no. <laughs> well, that's great. I mean, I think we covered Hunger Games. Um, I'm just going to talk about one and then we'll talk about what we've been watching and we're out. Um, thank you again for being here. Really mm-hmm. great having you. Um, Hugo was my next one. Uh, now, Hugo. Hugo. Uh oh, it sounds like you have some opinions there. No, I like Hugo. It was a cute oh, little Hugo. Great. Yeah, Hugo. Well, you know, I don't know if you remember, but there was this huge, kind of like the big Harry Potter books of it, and it said Hugo Cabaret on it. Mm-hmm. And that was way before the movie, and then, you know, young adults read it, and then it became a movie. So it's one of the, like, more hip, uh, untalked about. It's one of those films that's kind of faded. People don't really talk about it now. Uh, but I just really connected with it when I saw it and saw it many, many times. And then when it came on TV at home, I watched it at home many, many times. I liked it. Now, I think I'm officially burned out on it, but, <laughs> but it was, I have to tell people to really give it a chance because, uh, for one thing, this is just not even talking about the plot or anything, but like about halfway through to the end, it's a long movie. I think it's over two hours, but about halfway through to the end, is all about Ben Kingsley basically being D.W. Griffith. Uh, he was, they're sort of, it's a, what do you call that? Realistic fiction. They're putting together like the original films of motion pictures and putting them together with this character Ben Kingsley plays, who's not a real character, but the movies are, and they show a lot of the old movies. Isn't it? It's George Melies, isn't it? Is he a real guy? George Melius? Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel like an idiot if he is. Yeah, yeah. He, you oh, know that, shoot. He did, uh, <laughs> I thought it was fictional. Uh, Trip to the Moon, the where they oh, shoot the, the rocket yes, into the plant, the, yes. the moon, and it like cringes. So he's actually playing the guy who did Trip to the Moon. He's yeah. actually playing that guy. Okay. Mm-hmm. I read it wrong, but I enjoyed it just as much. <laughs> uh, yeah, Ben Kingsley is playing that guy, and he's all wrapped up in his career. He doesn't want to talk about it. It's over. But this young boy, Hugo, you know, and this young girl played by Chloe Mary Getz. Did I say her name right? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, they, they sort of reawaken. She's his granddaughter. And together they reawaken uh, his ability to make films and, and his celebration of his films. And, and so that is amazing. And then there's also the Jude Law character that uh, is building this amazing automatron that has this amazing message for his son. It writes, and it's like a, it looks like a C three PO from from uh, uh, Star Wars. And he actually writes something, and it's all like a clock because his dad was a clockmaker. And you know, you put all that together. There's a bunch of other stuff that's entertaining, and the music is very Italian, and it's just, uh, it's something you can really immerse yourself in and really enjoy, whether you understand. <laughs> <laughs> the reality of it or not so did you see hugo 
I did. Um, I love Hugo. I love um, Asa Butterfield. I think he's such a he was such a good child actor um, and has now grown into a a very good, you know, regular sized actor. Um, Nanny McPhee, too, right? Yeah. Did he? Yeah. Yeah, he did. The second one, I think. I think it was in the second one. Yeah. Um, Maybe the first. He's he's great. He um, he's done a lot of good stuff, but. I, I really enjoy just the the visuals of like this kid who lives at the train station in France and is just like kind of sneaking around trying not to get caught by anybody. Yeah. And I I I mean I'm a huge um like film historian person. Oh. Um and I I just love the idea of like including the the magic of of George Melius in in this movie like because his 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 films are, are less like movies and more like a magic show because mm-hmm. he would do these movies that had like all these practical special effects because he was a magician before he ventured into movies. So yeah. it was all just like, what can I like, how imaginative can I be? What can I make people think they see? Um, and so I think it's, it's a really like fun way to approach film. And I, I love practical effects and I feel like people yeah. don't use them as much anymore and I wish they would. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But I, I think it's just, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Good kids movie. Um, I, I have, I was teaching, I was substitute teaching at a, at a school's library and I found a copy of the book and I was trying to read it before I had to leave for the day, but I couldn't, I couldn't get through it all. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a really cool concept and I feel like I like the idea of, you know, the magic of film and the magic of childhood and just all this cool stuff mixed together. It's fun. And even Falling in Love is in there, too. I mean, granted, the characters are very young, but uh, I think he falls in love with her. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's uh, it's going a ways back. It was like at least five years, maybe more. But, um, yeah, that's just an amazing young adult novel that was set to a movie. Well... That concludes the movies that we picked to talk about. Uh, let us know in the comments if you have any others that you love. Maybe we could talk about them on a future episode. And we are just going to finish up with a movie we've been watching. And I'm going to start off with a film called Stronger with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I have a feeling uh, Audrey... My co-host today has heard of it because she lives in Boston. Am I correct? Um, I'm not. Wait, what's it called? Stronger. Strong. Yes. It's about the Boston Marathon bombing. <laughs> Ugh. Yes. Oh, you have seen it? I haven't seen it. Okay. I've yeah, heard that of thing it. is a yuck. Yes, definitely. The bombing itself is a is a yuck. But this is not really about the bombing. This is. Uh, there's another one called Patriot's Day with uh, Mark Wahlberg that definitely is about the bombing, and they sort of chronicle it. And I thought that was interesting, very interesting. But this one is more about people and how they recovered uh, from it, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, it was um, Jake Gyllenhaal and Tatiana Maslany, who I love. I'm really oh, I do start- like. I'm starting to watch more of her stuff because I think she's really talented. She was a uh, she did uh, Orphan Black the. TV show. Yep. I don't know if you ever watched that. Yeah, it's real good on that. Uh, and some other great movies. Mm, let's see here. So what was I going to say? Yes, I just wanted to note to everybody, if you're interested in a really inspiring message but is not preachy and kind of encourages you as a regular person to be your best, then this is the film for you. I think a lot of 
movies, even the other one about the Boston bombing, uh, are more like, you know, strong, Boston strong, gotta be strong, gotta be strong. And it's, that can get tough if you're, both your legs are blown off, you know, because <laughs> you're not tough and you're not strong. And you don't really want to be a figurehead and, a, and march in a parade, you know, about that or go to a, a football game and go out on the field and have everybody say, Boston strong. And that, those are kind of some of the things that, they ask him to do in this film as he's recovering i like jake gyllenhaal a lot i think he's like an amazing actor uh like i already said tatiana maslani plays his longtime girlfriend and she uh just to give you a basic idea of what how it starts he wants her back and she basically said we broke up so many times you never show up for anything and she's been training for the marathon so she says look kind of halfway joking she says if you really care about me you really want to start something up again i'll see at the finish line well i think you can see what's coming he actually showed up is a true story waiting for her to finish and he got both his legs blown off so it's woo. that's how it starts uh it's just a an amazing gritty but real story so she struggles with like should i be with him still should i feel guilty that this happened to him because i didn't even want to be with him and and, you know, it's just a great, great movie. And at the end, I felt really encouraged in some of my pursuits in my life to just get up and walk, you know, which is basically what he has to do or die, you know, just lay there and die or get up and walk. And that's kind of what the story's about. So, uh, Boston resident, you have to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I haven't seen it, so I, I don't know. Um, I tend to not go for movies that are that what I consider to be emotionally manipulative. Um, okay. I, I think that Patriot's Day is much more so. Yes. In, um, and I think I, I, I kind of don't, like, I think of Patriot's Day and I think of, like, United 93 and I'm just like, can we not exploit a national tragedy just to be, yes. just to get a quick, like, it's it's it feels like it's, yeah, people are going to cry. It's cheap. It's easy. It's yeah. lazy. Um, yeah, this one is one hundred percent a relationship study. Okay. They only they only have that beginning part that I described uh, as a setting to set it all up, and then from then on, for the two hours or whatever it is, uh, they just uh, they go back and forth, and they they have to be strong, and they have to figure out what they want to do, and they have to commit, and the ending is so great. I'll bet you you would know a lot of the places in the movie too. <laughs> yeah, the 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 Boston. Boston. Um, well, that the, yeah, the Boston that, Marathon route is like fairly close to where I live and work. Oh, um, That's just such a tragedy. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I'd be more receptive to that than than mm -hmm. definitely Patriots Day. I yeah. can't handle. I did enjoy Patriots Day though because to me, it told me the story of the terrorists, which I didn't know. You know, I it, it, it you saw it right? No, I haven't seen it. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, I mean, um, that's one plus. But yeah, I agree. It is sort of like they go into bars and everybody's raising their beer and saying Boston Strong. And you think about, well, what about, you know, is that the best? I understand that. That's like a social thing. That has to be done. I mean, people have to feel strong when their hearts are breaking. But this film kind of challenges that and says he's stronger than that. He has to be stronger. Get it? <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's good. I just, I figured, you know, you've lived there, but yeah, it's kind of like when you're stuff in your hometown, sometimes you're not as into it as the rest of the world, you know? Yeah. Well, and I should, I, totally I should mention, I, I did not live here. 
when oh. the, the marathon bombings happened. I was I lived okay. in where did I live? Washington D.C. So okay. um, I wasn't I wasn't here for like a lot of the the trauma yeah, surrounding it, it. Probably affected people living there at the time a lot more than the rest of us in other states. Uh, so yeah, but, I mean this happened a long time ago, and here I am. 2013 that was uh five years ago it's not that long ago but um you know here i am discovering these movies now so yeah i wasn't really affected you know that affected by it either um i just do this thing on internet movie database i don't know if you do it too or wherever you, you know you get your movies but like it has a recommended for you button oh i haven't <laughs> it, done that yeah, it's kind of cool. It's on the front page, and like everything that you've rated and everything that you have on your watch list, it kind of puts it through a computer, and then it it gives you suggestions, and it suggested both these movies. So hmm. they're nothing like anything I watch. But <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the the, the actors because I love Jake Gyllenhaal and I love Tatiana Maslany. So that's oh, probably yeah. the start. That's probably that makes started. sense. Tell us about your movie. Uh, so last weekend I went to go see The Death of Stalin. Mm. I was very excited. Um, the guy who directed it is the, the showrunner for Veep, which mm-hmm. I very much enjoy. Um, and I really like his style of humor. And, um, so I, I was in, and, and I like the cast. It's got a, it's got a good group of, good group of guys. Um, Steve Buscemi and, uh, many others. Um, Jason Isaacs hugely in it. Rate, hugely rated. Yeah, that, movie, that TV show is hugely rated, and I still haven't watched it. But now I'm thinking about it. So keep going. It's it's really funny. Um, it's it's one of those shows where you start to watch it, and you're like, yeah, this is funny. But then the more you watch it, and the more you know the characters, the funnier it gets. Like it just gets funnier and funnier and funnier the more that you know, yeah. like how the characters normally act and like how they're normally treated. And it's just, it's a good show. It's it's hmm. a it's a funny show. But um, I was. Very excited to see this because I like him and I like the cast. And um, it's just a funny, satirical movie about what happens to the the Soviet um, power structure when mm-hmm. Stalin dies. And it's just like all these bureaucrats at the highest level of the Soviet government, like jockeying for power, but also trying to seem very respectful of Stalin and all of the the stupid bureaucratic things that they have to do when they're really trying to accomplish other things. And I feel like it, um, it treats these figures that are sort of like imposing um, in a way that makes them just seem like silly. Um, it sort of makes me think of um, To Be or Not To Be from the Carol Lombard, Jack Benny movie from the forties where it's sort of the way that they treat the Nazis where they're just kind of poking fun at like how bureaucratic and like they are and how terrified they are of getting in trouble from their leaders. And it just makes them seem a little silly. So it's, it's a fun little satire. Um, Good cast. Steve Buscemi as Nikita Khrushchev is very, very good. And I, I very much enjoyed it. And I have seen it, and I enjoyed it too. And it's very snarky, and it's very sarcastic, and it's definitely historical. And so, of course, uh, those are your. Apart from having nothing to do with Meliere or, or, or you know, movie history, it's it's kind of touching all your buttons. It's, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's hitting all my my interests. It is relevant to my interests. I would say That's right. it is good. It is good. I think a lot of people might be turned off by it, but not a lot, but some. Is it's very. It's a little dry. And it's sort of, uh, it's not, it looks like a, a real historical movie. It doesn't, you know, the colors aren't like modern 
Uh, and Steve Buscemi's face is so white. I completely- <laughs> yeah, I could see people like going into it being confused about what to expect because if you don't know the name of the person who does Veep, like, and you just see that it's directed by this random guy with an Italian name, you're just yeah. gonna think it's like a period film. But it's um, it's very much a comedy. It's very funny. Um, I can so. see a group of his history students like taking a break from all their classes and having a few beers and then going to see it together and just yucking it up and laughing all yeah. the time. <laughs> and I, I am, you know, I like that. I'm not a history major, but I, I do. I liked it. It was funny. I got it. It was hilarious. Um, but definitely different kind of film. Yeah. Um, and now I'm going to have to go see Veep because. Veep's so very good. It. I don't know if I've mentioned that. <laughs> Veep's very good. <laughs> yeah, you you look up any like online. You just type in, you know, top ten binge watches, and it's usually like two or three, sometimes yeah. one. I mean, they're nice little like twenty five minute episodes. It's not like a a heavy. It's not like one of those shows where you have to drop everything to watch it. It's not an overtaxing show because there are shows that I haven't watched that are like hour long dramas that I I really I know I would love, but I just the emotional energy required to kind of sit down and watch them um, yeah. is more than I have sometimes. So Veep is, is not like that. It's it's quick and funny and, you know. Awesome. I'm going to check it out. Yeah. Well, we that concludes our um, young adult discussion. And I just want to say thank you again to Audrey for coming on the show. Uh, Darren couldn't, yeah, Darren couldn't be here today. He's off doing something. It's his birthday. Can you believe it? He took a day off for his birthday. She's ah, my on, birthday's Darren. in a week. You see me here. <laughs> come on. And this is this is her second podcast for the day, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, she she's in high demand. Um, but you will hurt hear her uh, on the Lambcast. She's on there quite a bit. That's where I met her and asked her to come on my show. And. Uh, you are also uh, going to be able to read her stuff. She's writing reviews at 1001 Movies and Beyond. And then with her cousin, I believe it is, she does a podcast called Rated M for McPhail, and it's M-C-P-H-A-I-L. Do you care to tell us why? Uh, it's sort of a long story. Um, my, my, on my mom's side of the family, our last name is Vail, V-A-I-L. And when right. my cousin Erin, who I do the podcast with, went and studied abroad in Ireland, where we're from, she found yeah. that our name was actually McPhail, and it was changed due to a clerical error. And mm. we just thought that was funny because it's like fail, ha ha ha. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that just seemed like appropriate for our family that we would have this dumb name that was just a f- clerical error. So... We we ran with it. Don't know if it was a great branding decision, but that's what it is. Yeah, so. What was that? What was that movie? They do really funny shows. What What was that one show you did? I think it was about an ice skating thing. Cutting Edge, the Cutting oh Edge. My gosh. Yeah, I was cracking up. <laughs> I was just like, they're laughing listening to it. Um, yeah, the Cutting Edge is a good film, and and people took it seriously at one point in time. But you guys kind of, you're sort of like halfway taking it serious and then halfway laughing at it. Yeah, we never know which way it's going to go. Every episode's different. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so you just listen to that uh, on her website, which is one thousand and one movies and beyond dot com. Correct. Mm-hmm. That's right. And then from there, you can just, there's like a kind of a horizontal menu, I think. And from there, you see rated M for McPhail, and you can just click on it right there, and it's just, it's great. Um, so thank you, Audrey. And 
Thank you for listening out there. I did, Darren asked me to mention that next week we've got God Particle Preview, which I guess is the next Cloverfield coming out, uh, and then 10 Cloverfield Lane discussion, and we've got Zombie Kitty back with us, and I'm going to be there, and Darren will be there, and I think one other person will be there, so uh, tune in for that. And uh, I guess I'll just say bye. Audrey, you want to say bye? Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being our young adult expert. <laughs> Thank you for having me.